we as a service providing industry for us in, in, in trail construction, you know, we need to be ready for that. We need to be like, well, there goes our Instagram of, of, of awesome jumps in the woods to, Hey, this is what it was before. This is what it is now. And then I think we'll get more and more funding. Welcome to Trail Effect. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. If you are new to the Trail Effect podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. Episode 78 features Greg Mezu, the owner of Single Track Trails. This time, Greg and I are talking about trail maintenance and a bunch of other trail-related topics. This is definitely a pretty candid conversation between Greg and I. If you'd like to learn more about Greg Mezu and his multiple trail-based companies, check out episode 51. Support for Trail Effect comes from Giants Ridge and Ride the Range in northern Minnesota. Check out Volumes 1, 2, 3, and 4 of the Range Report to learn more about what's happening in northern Minnesota at the Ride the Range Trail Systems and Giants Ridge. The value for value concept is something that has caught my attention. If you find value in the Trail Effect podcast, you know of a way to provide value for that value via Patreon for Trail Effect. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. Now on to the Trail Effect with Greg Mezu. Do we want to talk maintenance first, or do we want to do some updates on just the the life, living the life of Greg Mazu and his and his multi multi company conglomerate in the trail industry in general, being single track trails, backslope tools, tools for trails, desert rat tools, and there probably is two more since then. I uh, there there yeah we're working we're working on on multiple LLCs right now. Just you know the reason for all of those is they're all different sets of books, right? Like, like, you know, like, 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 you know, tools for trails came around in, in 2012, but it's just like the single track trails is a construction company. So that's one set of books and tools for trails is a different kind of book set of set of books. But in reality, you know, single track trails is, is the breadwinner. So it gets 96 to 97% of my time. And the others are just kind of side hustles at this point still. Um, working on working on making those not side hustles, but you know, uh, it's been a it's been a, a good year in in the life. It's it's good. The thing I hate hearing at all the conferences, or I'm getting tired of hearing at all the conferences, is like it's so good to be back in person. It's just like, yeah, this you're you're my 13th conference this year. Okay, I'm I'm tired of hearing that. So, but it's it's nice that you can travel and go see people and not wonder as you walk up to them, like what, what their response to media in person is going to be. And it's just good as a person who loves to be on the go, who loves to be uh, around other folks, you know, it's, it's, it's good to, to, to be able to do that again and, and, and hang out with people across, across the country. And, 
this year, I, I was, I was privileged enough and fortunate enough to be able to go to, uh, present at the EMBA Europe conference in Italy, and then hang out with some other colleagues in Europe for a couple of weeks. So. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. How was your Euro experience, your Euro trip? Uh, the Euro, I mean, it was, it was, it was great. Uh, the EMBA Europe conference, I think was a success. Folks from all over Europe were there. It's an English based conference. So uh, no need for translators, but but people from Scandinavia to to the Baltics, uh, and and you know even even from from you know over in Spain, just in France, and covered covered pretty much the entire continent, I believe, in the 150 people they had there. Uh, I got to present uh, Thursday morning in a, in a four person cohort with. Uh, uh, Kent McNeil from IMBA was there presenting about what's going on in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, Joe Shway from the UK was presenting about her, her topic of trash-free trails and, and getting her kids out learning how to mountain bike at, her, at the school she teaches at. And then uh, Manone Carpenter was presenting about uh, the research that she's doing now that she's retired from professional downhill racing. Uh, in terms of of mitigating climate change, and 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 how we as mountain bikers can 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 do that and and help help with help, basically the the gist of her conversation is build more trails closer to home so that we travel a little bit less. And then I was presenting about uh, building a culture based company for the last seventeen years and how I as a middle aged white dude uh, have been working to diversify you know, the people that we employ in terms of, of their, of their heritages, but also just diversify from having beginner trail artists all the way up to landscape architects and, you know, business-based CEOs running the company. So, you know, you know, diversifying single track trails over the last now 18 years, but specifically the last two years, you know, it's not just, it's not just the, the ethnic background of who we're hiring it's also the 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 education background and the the resume background of who we're hiring as well we're we're really trying to diversify the company in in multiple different aspects yeah that would be obviously super important so you can get different perspectives coming out of different industries that are still relatable to the trail industry right and for me you know again my my history is i I woke up one day and realized I had single track trails. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, I kind of knew how to run a business, but, but to the point where we've created Heller group and now have roughly 70 people within, within the companies, uh, it got to a point where, you know, I didn't know I was going to have to hire HR. I don't know how to hire HR. I needed to bring somebody in from that kind of business environment. Who's had HR, who's had an accountant working for them. And, allowing me to do quote unquote, what I'm best at, which is traveling the country, talking to people and, 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 and preaching, preaching outdoor recreation as a economic value to communities. Yeah. You also got to do some writing in Europe. I saw you're posting a little bit on the social media. Well, channels. you know, you know, a guy, a guy like me, uh, it's kind of a knife edge. Yes. I was there for work, but you know, I was hanging out with uh, Raphael Reimer and 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 Marcel over at Trailworks based in in Switzerland, and so we were going to check out some of their rides or some of the trails that they've done. 
one day one day we got to check out another trail that they built right there in 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 Glarus and uh we helicoptered up a thousand meters and then walked down a thousand meters in probably less than 10k definitely less you know maybe even less than like 8k so we'll just say that uh the first steps that you had on level ground it, you you had some noodle legs on that one and fortunately for us it had been raining for a couple of days and the farmer had just taken the, the cows up to the, to the middle pasture like two days before we got there. So I, I would have preferred to have been on skis because the mud, I, I did not have very much control in the mud, the mud puck, the, the hoof pucked mud that was there. Skis, skis would have been a better solution in my mind. And then I went over, hung out with uh, Kevin Sewer from, from Bike Plan for a, an afternoon. Uh, and then down to Barcelona to meet an old colleague from the bike industry, talk to him about what he's got going on, maybe manufacturing backslope tools in Europe as well, so that we don't have to produce here in the US and then ship to Europe. It'd be better. Like like what we do is not it's not rocket science. There's there's really no need to produce here and send over there when we can produce there and save some costs. And so riding in in, in Barcelona, you know, it was it was it was it was pretty fun, you know, try not to be, you know, tell everybody how great my life is, but, uh, it was, it was a pretty okay time. I mean, if somebody has to suffer through that, I'll do that for all of you. I'll let you know that it was okay. It, it was, it was a real struggle. You know, my, my legs were pretty tired after all of that. So. And then we'll talk about it on here. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so, um, I can see, I can see the hate mail coming in now. Like, why, why did you let that guy brag about, about his life for, for 30 seconds? So we got to live vicariously somehow, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, and I'll, I'll say I live vicariously through all of you that have stable jobs and stable incomes. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about one more conference before we get into maintenance. You were, we met in person finally at the PTBA conference in Bentonville. Mm -hmm. What what was your thoughts on that conference? That was a couple of years in the making, thanks to, uh, the pandemic that we all dealt with in 2020 and 2021. And, you know, and everyone came together there for, I don't know if that was your 10th or 13th conference, but it was probably in the middle of that. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I joined single track trails joined in 2008. So that would have been probably I've, I've missed a couple in there. So we'll put it, it was probably my 10th conference. It was, you know, obviously it was great to see everybody in person kind of thing, but, you know, I got, I got put on the hook to do three separate presentations in, in basically a day and a half of, of the conference. So, and I come in pretty hot when I do presentations. So I'm kind of wrapping it up my deck right before I, right before I, I, I go to present. Um, but, you know, seeing, you know, having, having the folks from Invo Europe there to see those guys in person and, and, and then from having them there get invited to go present at Imba Europe was, was pretty, you know, that for me, that's the the best takeaway was I, you know, reconnected with some friends from Europe from a trip in 2019, uh, and got invited to go present over, over at their conference. So, so to me, that, that was the, the, the selfish greatest takeaway from, from PTBA this year. Uh, I think there was, I got to be a part of a, a, a little, uh, round table, if you will, amongst, amongst key, key companies and from Europe and from the U S about, you know, what, what's kind of the future of, of 
trail design and and communities uh and and to me like the one of the greatest takeaways in in that in that session was you know it's like the thought that we're showing when when a trail builder shows up in a town like the thought like like there's been this thought that that we're building the next destination and we kind of got to get over that we need to we need to start thinking that we're building the next hometown we want people to relocate we want people to relocate up here to winter park colorado uh, which I know a lot of locals would get all angry at me about saying, but you know, you know, it's really awesome is having a year round economy. And in this day, and now that we, most people can, can work remotely, uh, you know, my, my neighbor here, two doors down pre pandemic, they worked in Denver and, and commuted up on the weekends. And now they work remotely up here and they, they live every day of their life up, up here in the mountains. And that value that, you know, they are, they're, their tax dollars stay in this county now. They're they're spending more tax dollars up here, so there's more services. Oh, hey, the restaurants can stay open during mud season. Oh, hey, those restaurants can employ some more people during mud season. And you know, it's it's not just the short term boost of tourism dollars in in these in these trail town destination destination trail towns. It's the it's the economic value that trails bring and. Uh, this spring I was, I was out in Nevada chatting with Colin Robertson, the OREC director out there. And he kind of really punched me in the face and corrected my language language on that trip is we've been talking about the economic impact of trails on economies and communities for, for many years, but we really need to be talking about the value impact is short-term booster shot. That's the town of winter park having, uh, a 19, 80s band show up every weekend and have the people show up and 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 hang out and drink beer for an afternoon watching watching um uh the the lead singer from poison whose name i can't think of right now and i'm i know i'm offending somebody who is that poison, would that be vince neal no vince neal was uh oh, i'm sorry True. oh yeah uh, <laughs> i just probably now i just insulted so, vince neal so we're both in trouble yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sub- substitute su- substitute vince neal if you if you want um I mean, if they brought Prince, awesome. But but we all know the problems with trying to bring Prince to, to Winter Park at this point. And it's just like, they come up, they hang out for the afternoon, they might ride a bike, they might go out to eat, but then they go back down to Denver. And that's not really, it's just an impact. That's not a value. And same thing with races is, is they bring people to a town briefly and they have an impact, but they don't bring value. Uh, and really the infrastructure that we're building brings value to these communities. And And the more we can do that, the, the more people think about trails as economic drivers and the more outdoor recreation becomes a foundation of, of communities around, around country. And to bounce off of Manon's presentation in Italy, it's like we're traveling less. And so we're having less impact on emissions and, and greenhouse gases and all of that stuff uh, in the long run. Yeah, for sure. And it's been said, I mean, I've said this in this podcast and so have other people, you know, Park City years ago coined the coined the phrase "My garage is my trailhead," and that's mm-hmm. exactly what you're talking about. And obviously, mm-hmm. Imba U.S. or Imba, what you know, the Imba the Imba, Imba is mm-hmm. talking more trails close to home all the time now, which is mm-hmm. is super important. I mean, it's just really important because you know trails make life better for a lot of people. Like it's 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 uh, it helps them reset mentally and, and helps them relax and, and gets them, you know, more people outside is not a bad thing. It makes the world a better place. 
Yeah, for certain. <laughs> I've been betting. I've been betting on that for the last eighteen years. That more people outside makes the world a better place. Yeah, well, it's it's very true, and we're starting to see that now with the with the boom in the industry and the pandemic mm-hmm. obviously accelerated all of that with getting more people outside because they didn't really have much else to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly, know? and and yeah, and you know, people like it's it's you know coming off of Fourth of July up here in a tourist town, and every the trails are so busy. It's like yeah, the, the trails are busy. Maybe instead of building that trail twenty four inches wide, that super highway. The, the, the main connector east west connector should have been i don't know 48 inches wide to accommodate people and you know it's just like yeah the trails are busy that means that means people will support what we do right the more people that use the product that we we want to create the more that they're going to support that and and therefore fund what we're doing so that we can all have a career doing what we're doing yeah, and you just—we're gonna get on maintenance, I promise you. But you just—you oh, just, you just uh, spun I'm, my brain. You're, you're just getting me—you're just getting me prepped for a bigger soapbox. Yeah. So, so, so you're just getting me riled up. You just—you just prepped the whole this soapbox that I like to get on and have gotten on regularly for the last couple of years now, which is directional trails and how directional trails offer a bunch of things. But one of the biggest things is that user experience that makes a trail mm-hmm. feel not as crowded as it should be or could be. Uh, most, most definitely thinking about this, these weekends, this weekend's rides, you know, it's just like, yeah, it's like I was on a busy East West connector and it's like every 10, 15. Okay. Exaggeration understood asterisk. You had to stop and say hi to somebody. How's the day going? Or you had to pass somebody because they were going a, a little bit slower or I got passed because I, I no longer have speed associated with my mountain biking in terms of how it gets described. And so, especially on the uphills. And so it's just like, yeah, we had, we had to talk to people, but if, if we were all moving in the same direction, uh, I would have seen, you know, half the amount of people I then therefore could have on the one downhill that doesn't have very good sight lines. I could have let off the brakes and actually enjoyed the, the downhill instead of wondering if I'm going to smash a four-year-old as I come around a blind corner, which didn't happen, uh, because that would, that would probably would have made national news mountain biker kills four-year-old, uh, kind of thing. And so, so yeah, directional trails help mitigate a lot of those issues or, you know, and it's also nice to, you know, we all know this is mountain bikers coming up behind horses and hikers or even other mountain bikers. That's, that's when people get kind of most scared because they don't even know you, you can come up behind them quietly. And then you're like, Oh, Hey, can I pass you? And they, they jump and they, 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 they scatter off the trail. Like, Oh my God, I didn't know you were there. And it's just like, my hub is pretty loud, but I know that you were focused on what's in, what was in front of you. So. Yeah. Or those earbuds that you had in that you maybe shouldn't have in. Oh, I, I've got a great aside story on that one. Uh, it, this is probably like 10 years ago up here is, it's when I still had to take work phone calls. Oh, that makes me sound really kind of pretentious when I, it's when I still had to take work phone calls on a weekend from the crew. And so I took the phone call and the group got ahead of me. And so I started trying to catch up back to them and I had to pass a mountain biker. And literally I was yelling at the top of my lungs, like my wheel on his wheel, like rider back. And my friends could hear me like half a mile down. And like this guy had no clue I was there. Just like, wow, that's, that's like, turn those things down. So, you might've been listening to poison. 
could have been listening to Poison, maybe probably Def Leppard though. That seems that seems like more like a Def Leppard situation. Well, you know, they're on tour again, also. Uh, yeah. So, and I um, think they have a new album. Uh, ideal, and and so another quick <laughs> aside. I just wish you know, I'll 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 i even I'll even name names on this one. Is is I got to go see Built to Spill in May. And I just, I just wish all of those bands, Modest Mouse, Built to Spill, Poison, Def Leppard, Motley Crue, whoever we want to reference at this point in their careers, I wish it was like Doug March playing Built to Spill's greatest hits because there's usually only one person left from the original band. And so now we can get in, is it really the same band or is it a cover band doing the band's original songs? So I'll leave that one for everybody to ponder going forward. That sounds good. That might be a good segue into maintenance because maintenance is typically talking about something that isn't brand new and we're not talking about new bands right now. That's how I roll. I come up with these, these strange analogies to, uh, to, to move us into maintenance. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's something old, uh, that needs a refresh and, you know, I'll throw out the biggest question for, for when it comes to maintenance and this may or may not be where we really want to go, but we're going to go here first, maybe is do you maintain a trail for your current skill level or do you maintain a trail for how it was originally built? You asking me personally, or are you asking all the listeners? That was a Royal you, but I am talking to you right now. So, so would, how, how would you do it? I would personally do it in, into the intent of how the trail was originally built. That's my, that's my opinion of it. Okay. So the asterisk on, on this question, this part B of this, if you will, is it's a blue trail. It was built as a blue trail, but bicycles have changed in the last five years. And so is it still a blue trail or is it a green trail? Well, that could go both ways. Mm-hmm. Because, and this is the topic that James and I were talking about last week was the, was the topic of the trail rating system more generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. You know, what we would consider blue 10 years ago, bikes aside, might be black mm-hmm. now. Or what we might have considered green 10 years ago might be blue now because we've also mm-hmm. leveraged into, thankfully, building easier trails to, you know, to get more people into the sport, you know. So, bikes have made trails easier, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, skills, you know, and, and now with kids, I mean, 12-year-olds are riding circles around us right yes thank you i I was one of us had to go there kids these days don't appreciate trails and bikes (laughs) well i mean there's that too like i I, we both i'm i'm assuming we both learned how to mountain bike on what wasn't a mountain bike trail it was a narrow primitive probably social hiking trail on a fully rigid 26 incher with cantilever brakes yeah these kids just don't appreciate the bikes that they have um, sorry, that's, that's the rage against, against, I just saw the first mountain bike I ever owned yesterday on a Facebook post on a vintage mountain bike, Facebook post. And I think it was a 19, it was a 1987, 86 or 87 steel stump jumper with a cantilever mm-hmm. brake in the front mm-hmm. and a U-brake under the bottom bracket in the rear. What? Wow. That, that is a true classic. I wish I wouldn't have sold it, but I didn't know any better then, but that would be awesome right. to have on the wall now. Right. That's, that's another podcast someday. The bikes that we used to own that we wish we still had in the fleet to show off. Yes. (laughs) But, but yeah, so, so, you know, like things keep changing in terms of the, 
bikes that we're riding that, that ha, you know, and to be on bike, be by, be on bikes a little bit, you know, trail running shoes are, 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 are more robust these days, you know, the things that they can do and where people can hike and the fitness that people are bringing to, to, to hiking trails and the number of, uh, here strangely or not really strangely, but, but I've never noticed it before this year, but every day I'm seeing two to three Connell by trail through hikers in winter park. Oh, wow. On, on their day, on their day off. And it used to be, I would see two to three a season. And now it's like, like I I was talking to the forest service, like, is anybody keeping track of the numbers? Like, like how much has it exploded this year versus the last couple of years, but they all have hiking poles. They're, they're all, they're all super lightweight backpacks. They're all in trail running shoes and they all have hiking poles and, and just how that allows, how that allows you to nobody's doing a through hike now in your big leather hiking boots that, that we all used to wear in the nineties. Nobody has probably anything over, I'll say a 50 liter backpack. You know, nobody has one of those big, huge backpacks on their back that goes like a foot and a half above their head and their sleeping bag hanging off the bottom kind of thing. They're, they're, they're made, they're, they're all walking for speed on the, on the, on the trail now. And right. So is, is, the Conroe Divide Trail as hard of a hike as it used to be. I mean, because people are more agile at this point, it's they're covering more ground at this point. And then obviously, you know, how do e-bikes play into this as well? Uh, but, but uh, uh, my, my neighbor was just getting on my case that he got passed by an e-biker on his ride. And it's just like, anyway, uh, let's go talk about maintenance. And so, so getting back, getting back, circling back from our, our rant, there in our soapbox but yeah how how do we maintain maintain trails when do we maintain trails uh and and at what level do we maintain trails and the hardest thing to me that we have going for us right now is mountain bikers thinking that you know the current status of the trail is exactly the status of how the status of the trail should be and, and forgetting like, no, this, like this was built as the green East West connector to get more kids, you know, more people, more out, people outside, more people enjoying what we're doing. And, and we need to take this being, you know, 48 inches wide and, and family friendly, not, not a rut down the middle that we all enjoy. If you have the skills, just, you know, putting your, you know, letting your rear tire roll down it and just getting rowdy kind of thing. Um, you know, trails need to be maintained as, as we've discussed on this podcast and in person, you know, trails are infrastructure. They are capital investments and their amenities. And, and, you know, nobody gets really pumped about potholes in the highway. I mean, I don't, I don't know when the last time somebody was like, Oh man, I wish they hadn't taken that pothole out of the highway. Like that, that, that really <laughs> crushed my suspension the last time I hit it. Yeah. And, uh, I got to get my, my tire pressure on, on my, on my Tundra dialed in to hit that pothole next time. So, you know, it's an amenity we want it. We, we should take care of it. It's not, uh, it's not to be, you know, just forgotten and knowing, knowing your day job that you do, I'm sure that you deal with federal funds on a regular basis. Right. Yeah. And, and now I've gotten actually in the last month, added duties to my job title once again, where I'm back right. in highway maintenance part-time because of a staff shortage. Right. And so 
during your meetings on maintenance, do you ever say, no, don't, don't take that pothole out. I really love hitting it. No, we don't (laughs) never. Um, but that, you know, let's back up just a a minute and maybe get out of mountain biking, but into more just a a cultural discussion, Mm -hmm. which is as a culture, we always want that shiny new object. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I've, and I, and I'll be the first one to say this. I didn't know better until I got into highway maintenance and my mm-hmm. first year in highway maintenance after spending 14 years in design and construction for Wisconsin DOT, I then realized that everyone that is in design or construction should actually be in maintenance before they're in design and construction because mm-hmm. then they have a better appreciation of A, how they're designing projects, B, what they're leaving behind because sometimes projects aren't left, new projects aren't left really that mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. You know, and what, how are we designing things, you know, from a, a long-term perspective mm-hmm. and what though, and, and then this is actually the important part of where I'm going with this from the government perspective, maintenance doesn't get funded very well. And that's why roads go to the, go to where they're at. Cause they keep funding new builds or right. reconstructs, but they don't fund much of anything in between when that project is built to when that project is rebuilt. <laughs> you just kind of spoiled the point I was about to make because I was, I was thinking that anything that got federal dollars, like you can't get federal dollars for a new build without having an operations and maintenance plan. Maybe that's still true. And, but people just don't adhere to it because there's no funding for operations and maintenance. Is that a better way to look at that? You know, I don't, so I don't know what goes on. I'm going to say in Madison because that's where the capital of Wisconsin is, but I do know that the two counties that I oversaw the budgets for, for six years, for four of those six years, their budget for highway maintenance was flat. Mm -hmm. It didn't move a penny. Mm -hmm. And in that six year period, other costs went up because we in Wisconsin, we don't have our own maintenance crews. We hire that maintenance out to the county that that work is being done in. And so we have 72 counties. So we have basically 72 maintenance crews. And we pay for those counties to hire their staff and we pay for mm-hmm. equipment, basically rental rates for the equipment that they're using for repairing the projects. And I'm not mm-hmm. even going to go into the material cost of things, but we know that staff, that staff wages have increased in the last, in six years. We know that equipment costs have increased for the last six years, we'll say. And mm-hmm. so when the bottom line stays flat, you basically are I, I mean, I got this line, I think probably 10 years ago or more from somebody at DOT, but we're doing more with less or attempting to do more with less. Mm-hmm. Right. And so mm-hmm. I don't, it, it's, it's really, it's really frustrating to me. And I've, I didn't look at it from a trails perspective until probably the last two to three years, but it's, it's the same. Like people get all pumped up on that mm-hmm. new trail we built, but then when it comes back to three, four years down the road or even two years down the road, we need to do some work on that trail. Like it, Mm -hmm. especially if it's one that's getting a ton of use, you know? Yeah, no, uh, spot on. And, but you're right. People, you know, if you look at, you know, the trail building industry and I mean, if I did a, a mental survey of the number of companies that would bid on maintenance projects versus the number of companies that bid on new construction, you know, maybe when we bid on a maintenance project, there might be one other company in Colorado. Um, and in Colorado, there might be like three to four other companies on a new build. I've, I've been saying, and, and I've heard some other people saying, it's like, you know, 
people would rather build for Instagram. It's a, it's a whole lot more awesome to post the, the new trail on Instagram and get a whole bunch of raves about that than then to say, Hey, look, we took this, this, this steep fall line section that was eroded, you know, a foot deep and unrideable and made it rideable again. Here's the before and the after and everybody like, Oh, yay. Awesome. We want new trail. Like we're, or they'll be like, where's the bit, where's, where's the gap jump. And it's just like, this is like 50 feet from the, the, the parking lot and is used by, by families of, of all sorts. So. Yeah. And, you know, so we briefly, very briefly brushed on this topic last week when I talked to James only as a precursor to this. And he had brought up two points that he said you and him had discussed in the past, which was line items and contracts for future maintenance mm-hmm. by a builder and mm-hmm. or training by the trail company for local crews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's, let's um, open that might be putting the horse in front of the, the cart in front of the horse, but uh, let's, let's get your thoughts on that. I, uh, I'll hit the one about training. So in, in theory, our conversations out in the field over the years were, you know, we have, we have a lot of projects where the local, the, the client, the local municipality or the private client, they're like, we have these guys, we want them to come out and help you build trail and learn how to take care of it. And well, you know, sometimes those people just never show up as well. And so, so that training doesn't happen. And, and in theory, if you're a municipality, you're going to be sending out your seasonal trails employee who is going to work with us for maybe a couple of days, not really gain the knowledge to take care of the trail, but you know, they're going to, they're going to disappear at the end of the season. And so next year you're going to need to do that. I mean, we've, we've got internal information for single track trails that are, you know, the range that we have staff our 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 key staff that work for us uh, is three to five years. Institutional so knowledge it, is important. Institutional knowledge is very important. And, you know, it's, you know, because most municipalities only hire their trail staff as seasonals. Most people are like, Oh, wouldn't it be fun to go build trail for a summer and they go do it. And the, and so that cycle keeps going. And so James and, and at the time, Aaron and, and Shannon and, 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 you know, Shrimper, we can all t- kind of talk about this internally back, back then is okay. Well, instead of training the local people, like, wouldn't it be awesome if we could figure out a way to get in written into the contract that, Hey, like maybe we'll take a percentage off of what we're doing now so that you can have these dollars for us to come back in next year at this time or for the next three years, once, once a year for the next three years to take care of the trail. And because we all know it's like, even if you build a perfect trail, which the moment we do at single track trails, I'm still threatening to shut down the company because we're never going to build another perfect trail again is three months later, six months later, you know, it, it, it wears in. It just happens. It just naturally like, like compaction, like even if you take a compactor down the trail, the trail is still going to compact a little bit, you know, uh, you're still going to get some sediment runoff. And so the drain that you built may not function as well as it used to. And it's just like, literally in, in a lot of these places, maintenance could just be like, could just be, you know, cleaning out the drains on an annual basis. And, and that would take care of a whole lot of issues. And, but, you know, still to get people to value, just, just like you were just saying about roads, like, like the, like, no, like, no, no, we want to spend all the money on the construction now. It's like, 
But if you paid us to come back and, and we have institutional knowledge, we have the staff, and it's really great for us to send our existing staff back to a trail that they built to see what happened. Like that thought, the thought that they had about where they thought their water was going to run off was maybe a good one. But in reality, it was, it was a really dumb decision to make, or, you know, they thought that they were making a dumb decision on how to shape the trail and they come back and they're like, Oh, that works out really well. Maybe I should do that on another trail. You know, that's how we learn is that we have to go back and look at it. And so if we can send our staff back, they become more knowledgeable and, and they can do better on the next trail. And then, you know, the value of our staff is increasing. The value of our product is increasing. And so therefore in reality, the value of the contracts should be increasing as well. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I have, <laughs> this is a topic I've gone on a lot lately, but it's, it's the, the pay to play model. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to necessarily go down the, the deep rabbit hole that I've gone down with other people, but somehow getting some sort of funding mechanism long-term. Cause we, you know, we, this, like, I love, I'm never going to badmouth a volunteer. Volunteers are great. That's how this, a lot of the people in the industry got into the industry, mm-hmm. but it's not a sustainable model. And, and how do we, mm-hmm. you know, how do we impart that? You know, I just saw it. Was it, what day was it? Tuesday. No, Wednesday. I was. I took Wednesday off from work to ride my road bike for a long distance, and I was coming back into town, and I saw a guy weed whacking along the bike path, the paved bike path in town. He was weed whacking around one of the utility pedestals, and I'm just like, why can that guy do that? And that is like normal, like common use of of something doing. But you send, you can't get somebody to do that on a sight line on a trail in a city park. I'm gonna say on this one. Uh, and this is a massive stereotype is he could probably drive pretty close to, to that paved bike path and have his equipment right there. That's th- there is that correct versus, versus having to walk with, with, with the weed whacker on his shoulder, half a mile, a mile up to, to, to do the same thing. And, you know, that's a stereotype. I won't go any farther. Uh, I will just acknowledge it. that It's a stereotype. And, but to, to, I want to hit, you you did a good job of, of stepping around volunteers and I'm also not going to bash volunteers on this one, but I'm going to say, when was the last time for, for a highway project, the operations and maintenance plan was, we're going to use volunteers to fill all the potholes. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to use people who, who are inexperienced at, at, at how to compact asphalt to fill, to fill the the potholes. And that's going to be our, our maintenance and operations plan. Um, it's, it's, it's a great way. It's a great way to get community involvement. It's a great way to increase your workforce for, for certain things. But, you know, when, when there's, you know, again, like, you know, another one is I have a plumbing issue on my house. I know enough about plumbing that I'm going to be able to fix it, but I'm not a plumber. So, so why would you hire a volunteer? Like, like, or, Hey, Josh, you like to, you like to do plumbing. You volunteer doing plumbing on the weekends. Would you come over and fix my sewer system at my house as a volunteer? No, you're like, we, we, we pay people with knowledge because that's where, you know, if you've, if you've helped build a house, like plumbing is not that difficult. Electricity is not that difficult when you do new builds. Building trail is not rocket science, but where, but where the value of a trail builder comes into play, where a plumber comes into play, where an electrician comes into play is something went wrong. We have to figure out how to fix this. Yeah. And, yeah. You can keep going. Okay. I was like, 
can can you add can you add to my analogies there um uh, i can but, but yeah okay but it's you know like that's that's where the value of us that's where to me that's where people will start to value what we do as a career because we've gained this knowledge we can you know you know show up and say hey you know like why this turn is washing out why this turn has a ton of brake bumps is not because this turn it's actually 400 feet up here. We actually have to go up here and, and do this. And yet another analogy for, for everybody is my, my significant other is a physical therapist. She's happy to help you on the uh, help friends on the weekend and they come over and somehow I have to cook dinner. They're coming over, over for her services, yet I'm cooking dinner for everybody. I haven't figured out that one yet. But when they come over, I'm like, okay, she's, she's going to look at your pelvis first. And they're like, what? I'm like, my shoulder hurts. I'm like, she's going to look at your pelvis. She's going to look at your leg length. And it's funny how looking at what's not the problem, looking at what's not the chief complaint and fixing something else on a, on a human body will make your shoulder not hurt kind of thing. And, and, and that's, that's where we as trail builders, we as infrastructure, outdoor recreation developers need to prove our worth. And, And then people can start to think that, oh yeah, that is a career. You do actually have to know some knowledge to be able to do that. I got one story and one analogy. And then, and we don't have to expound on the analogy much because I did a little bit in the episode that's coming out before this one with James, but that is volunteer built and maintained golf courses. How would that go? Cause that's a recreation, not a service. Volun- that's a recreation, not a service. Well, that's what so, I mean. So golf course, golfing oh. is a recreation, right? And so yes, could you yes, imagine if, yes. If yes. we had volunteer maintained golf courses, just like we have volunteer maintained trails. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I got, I got stuck on the word service there, but I see exactly your point, but it's like, you know, in within, within their, like, uh, grab the nine iron, but also grab the weed whacker. We got to get rid of some weeds here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the story I have is, and this is going to, you're going to lose some faith in engineers on this one, which I don't care because I'm not an, actually an engineer. I just work with a bunch of them. Um, there's a safety project here in Wisconsin. I'll just say in Wisconsin in the last decade, we'll say, and it was a, a curve straightening project where there was a highway that had an accident issue, right? And it mm-hmm. had, we'll say three curves. And so the fix was to straighten out the first two curves. What do you think? Mm-hmm. What do you think those of us that weren't really engineers were looking at going, well, what about now everybody's stacking up in the third curve? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're just so focused on what's right in front of them versus, versus, versus actually seeing what the problem. Is. Yeah. So, and actually I'll, I'll argue that keeping three curves there might be safer than straightening out the first two to get people to go faster into the third one. <laughs> Wait, what? No, no way. Really? No, but I don't know. <laughs> but since um, we're on the topic of that, not curves and roads, but maintenance, like maintenance, as you, yes. you know, and you're in your history of, you know, being in the industry for the period of time that you've been in the industry for, what have you seen improvements in terms of like, we talk about sustainable trails. There's no, obviously there's nothing that's truly 100% sustainable because we brick buildings need maintenance and they're brick, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they're not, they're not dirt, you know? So, but what advances have you seen that have been working really well in terms of reducing the level of maintenance on trails? I will say building building machine trails has been one of them because inherently machine built trails are wider and 
when we, you know, when we hand built 18 inch trails, which no matter what, like, yeah, like we're all mountain. Like a lot of us are mountain bikers. I, I, I roll for recreation and walk for a living, but it takes a lot of skill to be on, on the center of an 18 inch wide trail. It takes a huge amount of skill. And inherently a lot of the maintenance issues that I've seen here in the Rocky mountain West over the last many years, it's the trail is possibly too outsloped, too narrow, too outsloped. And everybody spends their time on the critical edge and the critical edge disappears or they didn't do enough time to, to actually put grade revert, like, and you know, it's a whole lot easier putting a grade reversal in with a machine than it is by hand. And so I love hand-built trails. I believe that we need more hand-built trails in the world, in this world, uh, to satisfy, you know, the advanced mountain biker or the advanced runner or the advanced hiker, you know, just they're, they're just more enjoyable because it takes a whole lot more skill on a machine to actually leave texture behind on the trail. That's why, that's why when we started building, you know, you know, in the, in the late early or in we'll say 2007 ish plus or minus a couple of years, when we all started really building with machines, like we got in, you know, all like they're building sidewalks, they're building stroller trails. It's because the team, the, the people doing it weren't as skilled with the machine. And so, operation operator safety machine safety comes into play and so we were taking out a whole lot more stuff to to safely build with the machine and now we can actually leave more stuff behind as 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 an operator gets closer to we'll say two two thousand you know uh, you know get a get an operator in a machine get them 100 hours they're a little bit better get them 200 hours they're better like like as they just get more hours they're able to do more things and then eventually they get to a rock and they extend the boom of the excavator out in front of them. And they, they walk like I've, I've seen my staff do things in a machine that I would, I would never even ponder doing when I was, when I was building trail, but it, it's easier to maintain machine built trails in, in the long run. It's, it's machine built trails probably need more time in between maintenance intervals as well. And, and, and building, you know, again, wider trails, machine built, because they're machine built and, and they're easier to, to shape and, and, and keep people in the center, in the center of the trail, the more we can keep people in the center of the trail, the more we can keep people off of the throttle, whether that's your pedals, whether that's being on the balls of your feet, as you walk up, whether that's, you know, the, the hooves of a horse, whether that's a twist borrow on a motorcycle and the more we can keep them off the brakes, you know, Breaking with your feet on the way down, breaking with the horse on the way down, your binders on your bike, uh, the binders on a motorcycle. The more we can do that, the 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 longer lasting these 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 trails happen. And uh, I'll I'll broach I'll slightly broach this topic, and this is this is potentially where where the hate mail starts to come in for for both of us. I went to the I went to the the leadership summit that happened right before right before sea otter classic. And there was a afternoon session all about e-mobility. And I walked away from it thinking that every single trail that we build right now needs to be built for e-bikes. Every single trail that we maintain needs to be maintained for e-bikes because it doesn't matter whether you love them, whether you hate them, go to Europe, you'll learn to love them because the trails are steep over there. 
it doesn't matter what your opinion is on them. They're coming. They're not going away. And the sooner that we can start, you know, doing this, and by the way, analog acoustic mountain bikers to build for an e-bike, the corners, the radiuses will increase. The sight lines will increase. Uh, your fun on an analog bike will increase as well because we're doing these things to a, a turn radiuses will increase. So you're never going to have to like hop your rear wheel around unless you're on more fun out in, in Fruta trying to, trying to ride a, a, a trail with a 48 inch wheelbase bike that has a 48 inch wheelbase on a, on a trail that was designed for a 36 inch wheelbase bike. But, you know, doing all of those things, like the more we can do that, the less maintenance is going to happen because all of those things keep people off of the throttle, keep people off the, off the brakes and, you know, allow water. You're going to have more sweeping turns. You're going to have greater reversals in the right place. And I can, I can feel it right now. I don't know when this podcast is going to be released, but I can feel it. Somebody, somebody is already angrily typing at their, at their computer about how e-bikes are the death of trails. So it's right now that the podcast is slated to release on July 19th. So, okay. Not so this coming Tuesday, but the Tuesday after. So you got it. You got a little okay. bit of time, okay. but be sure to put my email in the link below so that everybody can fire off an angry email at me about that one. Sounds good. I, you know, it's, you're saying, you're saying the same stuff that, that I, some of the stuff I took away from when I went to the, the NSA downhill bike park summit in park city, mm-hmm. you know, I went to a presentation that was put on and obviously this guy, you know, is, is he works, he worked, he's a, he was a presenter for Bosch Motors and Bosch mm-hmm. Tool Company, right? And, you know, the e-bike, again, love them or hate them, it's, it's opening up new avenues, just like you said. Mm-hmm. It talk, he talked about Europe as well. Mm-hmm. The thing that I took away from that more than, more than e-bikes was that he talked about, very briefly, because it's not out to the public yet, but the anti-lock brake technology that they are now coming out with, that's going to be a thing on analog bikes as well. And his comment about ABS brakes was that when they tested them or when they've been testing them with pro riders, riders Mm -hmm. have been able to go faster. So from an advocacy standpoint, is that a, is that a better thing or is that a worse thing is, well, you know, and it, from an advocacy perspective, it it might not be a good thing because if your speeds are increasing, but the point is that or my, I guess what I had heard is that people are going to hate on that initially, but then realize it actually is, will help them as a user and right. breaking bumps. I can, I can see the huge, I can see the huge value of that. Um, my fear from the advocacy standpoint is uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were trying to wrap up our ride before the race came through and the, and the quote, the, the local, I race this local race. I'm a pro rider in it where they were coming through and there was a family hiking and the train, they were trying to get off that trail as well. And like, you know, the last thing a dad should tell his 10 year old daughters that are hiking down the trail is keep your head on a swivel. The racers are coming through. And it's like the trail, like the trails open to the public during the race. And like, so to give those guys uh, the, the ability to go faster because they're not going to be locking up their brakes, I think is a, is a really bad thing. To give to give all to give all the people that are not considered to other trail users the ability to go faster and not have an impact on the trail. That's my thing on that. Would I would I love to have anti-lock brakes? You betcha. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it, like coming down, 
the, the term I picked up uh, in Vada Sole was zip tie trails, where you just zip tie your brake levers to your handlebars because you don't even you don't you don't even need to come on like like anti-lock brakes will be phenomenal in that in that situation, right? And and anti-lock brakes will be phenomenal in in a whole lot of other spots, but but to to, to be able to give and I've, I've seen a couple of these racers that came through multiple times in the last week here while I've been home. And it's just like, even, even on a, on a, on a, on a Sunday morning when there's no race, they're still going around at race pace. And it's just like, come on guys. Like, like if you want to ride that hard and train for your next race, get on your road bike and go out on the highway. Like you're, you're not doing anything to, to get, these families to want to come back here and, and ride and ride trails. And so, so I'm going to, I'm going to give a, a, a thumb and a half down on anti-lock brakes right now. Not two thumbs, just 1.5 thumbs. There is a little bit of value. I saw a little <laughs> bit of value. So you just stuck my head into a whole different place, which is getting us off of maintenance, but actually kind of in a roundabout way, keeping us on maintenance. And this is back on the pay to play model. And I've been, cause in my head, I've been thinking about this a mm-hmm. lot. Like mm-hmm. you, you pay to use a golf course. You know, mm-hmm. there, there are hunting organizations that have, you know, private hunting clubs and I don't want to sound exclusive cause I definitely don't want it to be exclusive, mm-hmm. but in that type of situation, if, if there were more places like that, then that might be a good venue for said racer training for a race to actually train for his race. Yes. Uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a great place for that, for that person to go and you know, having designated places to, you know, you have designated places to go shoot your rifle so that you can be focused when you're, you know, skilled when you go hunting and, uh, to, to fill your freezer for the winter kind of thing. Um, but you know, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of like a velodrome, right? It's, it's a a very specific thing and yeah, to have a pay to play race course for folks would be, would be phenomenal. And then it's always maintained. It's always, it's always in, in really good condition and you're right. And I'm going to say in on, on that, and I, I want to hit on pay to play and, and the maintenance part real quick is uh, maybe hopefully real quick. We're already, I mean, technically we're already doing it like, 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 you know, whether we're, a quarter cent sales tax that, that some counties here in Colorado have, whether it's, you know, just our tax dollars going to the federal government and, and funding budgets that way, we're, we're already doing it just like we're doing it for roads and whatnot. It's just most of our tax dollars go for roads and sewer systems and hydroelectric plants and things like that. But again, the, the more people, the more people that get outside, the more people that get outside and, and, and play, the more they value it, the more they're going to vote for uh, representatives in their local government that are going to fund line items for what we're doing for for new trail, for for trail maintenance, for bike parks, for uh, parkour ports. If 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 you're into parkour kind of thing, you know, it's it's the we're already doing it. We just have to figure out like. Like we just have to come, come to accept that. I mean, I personally would pay more, uh, you know, I pay each year for a ski pass that I barely get the value out of because I have this snobby concept of what constitutes a powder day or not. And I only want to ski on powder days, but I was talking to a forest service guy in steamboat about this. It's like, I would pay 
ski pass values in Colorado to have a pass for and pay one for 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 my for my significant other to have a budget that 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 funds all of this stuff in the last year for some business research trying to figure out the size of the market we've done some some research and I stumbled onto this fact when I looked at the state of Wyoming where they fund their non-motorized trail grant program at $550,000 a year which in the long like oh that's not much it's Wyoming they have 575,000 people in state so they actually fund non-motorized trail trail grants to the tune of 97 cents per person in the state of Wyoming so that made me think about Colorado what does Colorado do Colorado a trail destination got to be good right got to be it's 48 cents a person 48 cents like like if everybody in Colorado gave $1 to outdoor recreation maintenance each year we would we would basically double double the the, the amount of of available budget for this I think Utah was at 68 cents. Arizona's pretty good. They're at like 99 cents down there. But it's just like it's it's really it's not it's not like like if we all just tossed a quarter into a into a a a a bin at the start of every ride. Like mm-hmm. a quarter. I mean, well first who has a quarter anymore? But you know, you know, like like can can I Apple Pay? Can I can I just swipe my Apple Pay on a scanner? as I start a ride, it's a quarter, like, like, like it's not that much, but, but people are stuck on it's public land. It's gotta be free. It's like, well, we got to pay for the maintenance somehow. We got to pay to take care of this. You know, we, I'm, I'm sitting here about to, to take my stuff, uh, some, some key items out of my house here in winter park down, down to Fort Collins because it's fire season. Right. Like, you know, or or even my house in Fort Collins could could go in a fire. Look at what happened in in in, in, in the Boulder. Boulder area last yeah last winter, right? It's just like we have we're we're not taking care of our public lands because nobody wants to fund it, and we not we got to figure out how to do it. Like I have thousands of acres of dead trees around me because of a beetle, and we're not taking care of it, and and we need to we need to figure out how to how to do that. So and to the tune of if I could do it to the tune of a dollar every year. The dollar yeah oh here's 10 kind of well thing. that you know so i haven't asked this question to anybody in the podcast but it's something that has i've looked at locally and personally and you brought up steamboat and i think steamboat's a location that has this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i and correct me if i'm wrong and maybe you don't know do they have a parking meter in steamboat to collect oh yeah to collect to collect donations yeah, yeah. Yeah. A parking meter that can take plastic. And I've said that, I said that yep. to my parks director two years ago on the cross when they're talking about, they wanted to charge for parking at the trailhead, which I'm like, in my mind, I'm yeah. like, that's, that's really dumb because like, I'll ride my bike to the trails regardless. And you're not going to get money out of me if that's your sole means of getting money out of me, where you should right. be getting more money out of me because I use the trails more than the person that's going to park there. And you're really, right. in, in, a, in one sense, punishing families that have to drive there because mm-hmm. they have kids or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, and I just said, I said, let's get a parking meter. Let's put it mm-hmm. in the parking lot and mm-hmm. let's leave it as a way, like somehow make it. And this is something I've gone into with podcasting too. Like, and this actually, the term came out of podcasting, but it really isn't from podcasting, which is value for value. 
Like if mm-hmm. you find value in a product or a service, mm-hmm. you can then get, donate back for what that perceived value is. And I would guess people might be willing to donate more than what you would ask for them if you put a set dollar value on that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you said, oh, it's 10 bucks. So everybody's going to give you 10 bucks. But right. if you said it's whatever you think it is, you might get a bunch of people to give you a dollar, but you might get a bunch of people to give you $20. Right. You know? Uh, no, you're, you're spot. And I, I, I'll dig in my phone. I think I have a photo of that parking meter and you can use it as the thumbnail for the, for this podcast. And, but yeah, they, they have that, you know, it takes credit card. Uh, I've seen Venmo's I've seen Venmo QR codes who thought, who thought a pandemic would have revived the QR code from death, but you know, that that's one way to do it. Uh, uh, I think you might be familiar, but you know, again, funding this stuff and you know, what they're doing at the, we'll call it an app, but trail love. Yeah. I was going to bring that up next. Yeah. And, and it's just like, you, you link it, you link it to, to, you link trail love, you kind of, plug $25 into your account and you can give a nickel for every mile that you ride within a geofenced area when it pops up on, on Strava, you know, one of the, one of the small issues on that is I got, I got to Strava cause I, I try to Strava something every single day of, of, of the year. So I was in Asheville, North Carolina and had an early flight to, to California. And so I strava my walk from the hotel to the airport because I was able to walk to the airport. And then it's like, would you like to donate 10 cents to, to Pisgaria Sorba? And it's just like, <laughs> I walked across the highway <laughs> like that, that we, we you got to figure that part out. But yeah, it's like, like how, how can we, how can we make it super easy for this? You know, and it's gotta be, vol- you know, here, here's where we can all be volunteers. We can, we have to voluntarily do this because in Colorado you can charge, the tr- the fee that you pay at the trailhead is for parking. It's not for using the trails because of our recreational use statutes. You can you can charge for the parking, but you can't charge for the for the use of the trails. And if you charge for the use of the trails, that opens you up to a different liability. And that's where the the skiers act came into play for all the all all of our mountain bike trails around here is is they had to piggyback lifts or bike parks into the skiers act and the skier bill of rights to protect the ski areas for, for that, because they're charging for your, your part, you're basically paying for the lift right up and not the trails, but tell that to a jury if, if, if a case got that far, but yeah, it's like, how, how can, how can we fund all of this stuff and, 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 and build, build up budgets and, and yeah, like you and I, you know, we get to discuss, uh, I love the, the random emails and texts like, Hey, I'm traveling out here. Where should I ride? It's like, there's an app out there. It's called trail forks, <laughs> but I'm happy to help you. <laughs> um, well, I mean, in some perspective, cause I've done that, yeah. but in some perspective, like yeah. you don't, you can't quite tell from trail forks if there's that one really epic route, Yeah, you know, Un- under, under, understood, but, but uh, you and I, you and I are, are in a different, we're on a, we're on the right hand side of the curve for people who get to go all over the place. And so like we would have, you know, we would have to have a bigger budget for, for this donation. And it needs to be a parking meter. It needs to be easy for us to do it. You know, we're no friction as, as you know, I remember the first time I went to cable Hayward on, on the trail map, this dates me, it wasn't that long ago, but I still bought the trail map back in the day. And it was like, Hey, if you want to 
support these trails you can give to us here and and it's like okay i i can do that because i i but if i hadn't bought the trail map i wouldn't know how to do that i don't always look at trailhead signs but because i'm trying to track the amount of mileage that i do every year and 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 the rides that i do it's like trail forks strava mtb project you know whoever it might be you know they you know need to partner with trail love and or some somebody else to to help help us give back in a, in an easy way because if 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 it's literally like an email hits hits my inbox like it does with trail love and it's like hey would you like to you, you wrote you know nine miles today you say that you want to give a quarter for every mile so so you know I, of course i pick a number that i can't do or a dollar 75 for this yes or no and it's like yes let's do it that would that would in, that would increase the budgets quite quite a bit so yeah for sure and then which brings us back to how you you know try to operate as a company provides wages you know living wages mm-hmm. for staff and you know mm-hmm. whether that's your company or you know even a, a local parks department or whatever the whatever the right. maintaining authority would be right yeah you know it, whether you know whether it's for us you know whether it's for our client to be able to pay us uh you know a larger sum because our our staff is has institutional knowledge from three to five years and we as a company are providing healthcare we're providing them with with job advancement training um you know i was even having a conversation with our staff today it's like we're looking to developing a job profile for you if you came to work for us today what would it take to get you to be a director of operations or a site supervisor and what trainings would would that have to do or are we training you in reality you're only going to be with us for 3 to 5 years are we giving you training for your next job right and so it's like it's great that we can do that but it it also be nice to to and we want to pay higher wages for that and we're linking education you know job training to pay raises as well so so if you hit these marks you're going to get paid more and so so yeah it's like we need everybody to value what we're doing as careers you know and and therefore pay pay you know like we need to pay more per foot for the trails to be constructed we need to pay more per foot for the for the trails to be maintained and you know i sound very vulturous here but this world you know is building more trail and we need more experienced people to to build more trail oh yeah for sure for certain and there's yeah there's a lot of backup or backlog of of what could be being built right now from what, from what I hear there. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll, 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 yeah, there's a backlog of what, what, of what we need. And I can tell you from some conversations and I'll drop his name here, but Adam Miller, the owner over, over at rebel bikes, when I was having a conversation with him in Carbondale last summer, uh, he's like, you know, the future of mountain biking is not the bike. The future of mountain biking is the trail. We need more trails for more people to get outside on. And the the industry itself, having that same conversation with other folks in the industry, it's just like they see the value in in uh, you know investing in trails in in the long run as well. Yeah, and that brings us back to almost the beginning with more trails close to home. Even though we're supposed to be talking about maintenance, well, we 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 have hit on hit on on maintenance quite a bit and different things, and but yeah, it brings us back to to more trails close to home. It brings us back to more well-maintained trails close to home uh i i think we all 
locally, wherever we live, have trails. It's like, oh, I'd like to go, I'd like to go ride, you know, 0.25 over at the phases. But man, that thing is it's it, it it's a three foot deep rut at this point. It's just it's not fun. Or, you know, here riding chainsaw the other day. It's a major east-west connector for the valley. And it's just like it's it's some spots it's because it's 18 inches wide and 12 inches deep. It's like this is it's just not a fun trail. And so, but not having fun trails close to home, no matter what your mode of, of recreation, not having fun trails close to home makes you want to travel places. Oh, correct. Yeah. Like quality is is where it's at too. Right, right. And so so yeah, I mean we're all we're all gonna many of us are gonna want to go elsewhere. I'm a nomad. I, I, I prefer to be traveling from place to place. Uh, I get bored. I have been parked at my house here in winter park for eight days. And I'm just like this morning, I was just like, I I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to go. Like I, I, I got, I've been here for eight days. I got, I gotta go. Like that's my mindset. And, but my friends up here, they might travel twice a year to go ride trails. And then they spend the rest of their year up here in winter park, riding the same thing over and over. And I'm just like, how it's not like I've been here for eight days. I can't, I can't wait to leave again. Um, but if, if the trail, like the, they're, they're fine riding the trails, but if the trails were, were I, I could imagine them not even leaving town if, if the trails were better maintained up here. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, you've heard me say this, anybody that's listening to this podcast has heard me say this, but I, I really enjoy traveling to Copper Harbor and I, when I get the opportunity, I go there every chance I get, especially in mm-hmm. August when it's outside of like hellacious bug season. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't a huge volume of trails in that right. community, right? but the quality mm-hmm. is incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where the quality over quantity. And I think, you know, we also can circle back to directional stuff while they don't have directional stuff there. I, you know, I still like, I think the directional part will help a lot accommodating a lot of, more users yeah. in a smaller area. If, if Copper Harbor wasn't 19 hours from everything, <laughs> no um, kidding. They, they, they would probably need directional trails. For um, sure. For sure. Right. <laughs> Uh, they, they have, they have the luxury of, of, of being far away from, from everything. And so therefore they don't, they don't quite need those yet. Um, here in Colorado, it's like almost, almost every trail system, you know, is it, you know, Wyoming, do they need directional trails? No, not really. Not yet. Unless you're down in the Cheyenne area and all of us greenies from Colorado drive up there and abuse their trails. But the farther you get away from Colorado and Wyoming, the less people there are. Um, but but yeah, it's like directional trails help, help with the maintenance and, uh, uh, increase the value locally and, and absorb, just absorb, you know, more people outside. I, I, I feel like that's my, that's my new mantra lately that I've been saying over and over is the more people we get outside to enjoy it, the more funding there is, the more, the more, the more opportunities that we can create and, and, if we can create more opportunities that also takes pressure off of overly stressed trail systems and, uh, and, and, and disperses that, you know? Yeah. Is there anything on maintenance that we haven't discussed that you had in your head before we got on this call? 
uh, before we, before we soapboxed and spun each other around. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I believe maintenance is the future of the trail building industry. Um, that's the, probably the one thing that I had in my head. I think we as an industry are not focused on it enough and, and that's, we're not advocating for it enough. We're not funding it enough. Our experienced builders are not doing it enough. And, and we really need to take care of what we're doing. You know, the, the, the overused phrases we're loving, we're loving mother nature to death kind of thing. Right. Well, it's not that we're loving it to death. We're just not, we're just not taking care of it. And, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of the things that people like, like, look at, you know, the erosion here and this and that, and it's like, you know, that would have been a simple fix four years ago. It's not a simple fix now, but, but now, now it's, now it's a full reroute. But if we had come out, if there had been in the budget four years ago to, you know, bring a, an experienced staff out here to, to build grade reversals or, you know, re-outslope this trail tread, we could have saved money on this reroute and built a new trail kind of thing. Um, and if we can take care of it, if, if, if you can take care of your house, it lasts a whole lot longer. And if you take care of your highways, potholes won't crush car tires and suspension kind of thing. And, and so, so maintenance, maintenance is the future is the future of the industry. And I, I can, I can see at some point the, the, the money for new builds probably getting shut off and only wanting to be spent on, on, on maintenance in the, in the future. I can, I can kind of see that coming, especially when our agencies love to tout. And I do mean, they love to tout the, the dollar value of their deferred maintenance. I, I feel like that, that is, they take, they take pride in how big that number can be some days. That backlog. Yeah. The back, the backlog of deferred maintenance. And it's just like, you know what, like if we would have just done this 10 years ago, it would, it would be off the 10 years ago, this was three hours worth of work. Um, and, and, you know, we, we could really, we could really take care of that. And so I think that at some point the, the dollar value of deferred maintenance, backlog maintenance, uh, will, will over, will become such a, so big that it's like, okay, we can't build anything new until, until we take care of what we have. Um, and, and we, we, as a service providing industry for us in, in, in trail construction, you know, we need to be ready for that. We need to be like, well, there goes our Instagram of, of, of awesome jumps in the woods to, Hey, this is what it was before. This is what it is now. And then I think we'll get more and more funding. I wonder if there could be a good way of uh, making maintenance really appealing on TikTok. Because then we'd be set. Because TikTok's apparently where it's at right now. Uh, yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm, pre- I'm obviously proving my age by referencing Instagram. Oh, don't worry. I don't use TikTok. This. I'm not a TikTok user, okay? I'm not. I'm not. I just keep hearing that TikTok uh, is where it's at for everything right now. And so if we could make a TikTok, yeah. whatever TikTok thing is, yeah, that really made maintenance mm-hmm. sell itself. Maybe that's the answer. Uh, I I I think it's uh well, well for for us at Single Track Trails, we're just gonna have to train our staff to do some sort of like skit and or song as 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 they do maintenance for for five seconds to show how fun doing maintenance is, right? Like, um, I I, I really believe that 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 like wouldn't it be great to 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 make my staff like the maintenance, you know, dancing, singing maintenance guys, the trail elves. I mean, or gnomes, yeah. I mean, trail gnomes. 
You know, you can make uh, them like legit trail gnomes because that's how trails get built anyways, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Trail ain't uh fairies and elves. Yeah. Fairies and elves. Fairies and, and elves. And trail gnomes. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Well, um, do you have everything anything else that we you think we should discuss? This was a good one. And I, I really appreciate your time on this Friday, midday Friday. Yeah, hope I just hope we didn't ramble too much in general. I hope I hope this 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 makes a, a bit of sense. And uh, obviously, the more we're around, the more soapboxes we get. But I think I think we hit on some major soapboxes. I hope that we had some good hot takes in there to 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 really drive the emails. The 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 like, where did, you had this all wrong. You know those 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 make me pretty happy. <laughs> I, I, I learn, I learn a lot from those. Um, and, and, but no, I, I think we, I think we hit it on and I'm, I, I, I enjoy these conversations. So we could, we could start a, a, a quarterly based podcast of, of the rants and the rays by Josh and Greg. That sounds good to me. I'd love to do that, <laughs> you know? And I mean, honestly, the, the reason, the reason why James and I got on a, a, an additional podcast was because he had texted me. He's like, I want to talk about the trail rating standard or lack thereof. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, that could probably be about as controversial as clips versus flats. Let's do it. <laughs> nice. Nice. Oh, clips versus flats. Uh, uh, that's, that, that's a, that's a deep one or, or that, you know, it, this, this is, this has gone by the wayside, which kind of disappoints me, but 26 versus 29. Um, yeah. 26 pretty much to die unless you're a kid. It, Which it, is the twenty nine er for a kid's twenty four, right? Right, and for, fortunately for me, they 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 created more stout twenty nine inch bikes, or twenty nine twenty nine er bikes. Um, uh, when when those forks were noodly, they were not very fun. Yeah, the, um, the regular standard quick releases and twenty nine inch wheels and original <laughs> hoops were. But uh, and then finally, I mean, we we did get on the e bike topic, so 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 that that's you know trail ratings how to maintain a trail and e-bikes. Like, I think we hit all of those three in this podcast. So, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a slot machine trifecta. <laughs> yeah. That's good stuff. I, you know, and rambling is good. That's why we do podcasts. Cause it is, it is rambling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, this, this one might be at the length of the length of my, my, my attention span. So, well, Bryce medic, who you also know went on for mm-hmm. over two and a half hours as well. Mm-hmm. you know, so he's a, he's another g- good one. Okay. Nice. So I'd, I'd rather do, I'd rather do multiple with you than, than one big one. Yeah. So. Well, well just let me know what, uh, the next thing that comes across your radar that may be controversial earth chattering oh, newsworthy. I think, I think know. we need to do a panel. I think we need to form a panel and, and the topic, and there must be tequila involved with this one, not okay. beer, not whiskey. It's going to be tequila. What are the top five trail rating trail systems in the country? So who's on that panel? I, I don't know. Well, I, I mean, like uh, na- name, name, any, name, anyone who you think would be a good, a good colorful a good, character, a good colorful we'll leave, character. We'll leave people with that. Oh man, this, I feel, I feel like, I feel like I'm tagging people now on, on this one. Well, uh, I'm sure if they're good, they're probably going to appreciate it or they deserve uh, it for some reason. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and now that I'm on the spot, I'm, I'm, I'm running out of, I'm running out of, uh, you know, I think Chris Orr from, from Imba could be, could be a good one on this. Uh, I think, 
Uh, I think Shrimper would be a good one out of, out of the Southeast, you know, trying to think of somebody, a character out of the Southeast, and, you know, we got to put Shrimper up there as, as, as a guy from there. Could it, could we, could we figure out a, a, you know, an old school pro mountain bike, you know, Weens? I think Weens, Dave Weens? Weens would have, yeah. He, he have might some, be in a position where he can't be un, like pol- politically incorrect and that might get politically incorrect. Oh, that, that could get politically incorrect. Yes. Um, uh, and, and, uh, you know, maybe I'd, I'd love to pull Jeremy Wimpy in, into this as well. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, so, so I think that that's, that's a good start. I think those, those are some names and, and I'm going to get off and they like, Oh, I'm going to have a Costanza moment. Like I should have listed so-and-so and like, but, but I think, well, maybe, you know, somebody from Europe, we get there on. Uh, oh, I mean, we got Tomash over there. Uh, Raphael Reimer would be a good one. Was Raphael, uh, was he the one that asked you why you didn't use a helicopter during the, uh, Palisade oh, Plunge yeah. conference or oh, uh, session oh, yeah. at the oh, PTBA yeah. conference? Yeah. And, and, and the best, the best part was as we were walking up to the helicopter in, in Glarus, he was like, <laughs> I guess I had to get a helicopter for you on, on, on this trip because I asked you that question. And so. So, yeah, so, so it was, and it, you know, he's right over there in Switzerland, like, 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 like they're always using helicopters. It's like, they're going constantly and, and a, and a heliport is not far away from every single town over there. But, but, you know, we, we Americans just don't appreciate the helicopter as, as we should. Well, here's my future telling. We're going to be using drones to drop stuff in, in the next 20 years. Unmanned I, drones. Un, un, yes. No, I, I know some people that are working on a drone as a taxi kind of thing. So, so spot on. So, and, and as long as, as long as it can replace, uh, my, as long as I can have one to taxi me around and it doesn't beep an auto brake, like my new truck, that is just like, <laughs> I just want to throw that thing in off a cliff kind of thing. It would be awesome. Well, with that, I think that's how we'll close this one out. Greg cool. throwing his truck awesome. off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for listening. Links for the various topics discussed in the show can be found in the show notes. Our next episode will feature mountain biking storyteller Bryce Sherbach. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, if you're new to the Trail Effect podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. Please don't forget to leave a rating interview as this is one of the best ways to show your support for the Trail Effect podcast. This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. If you have ideas on future communities or people to feature on Trail Effect, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.